Hey everyone, Justin here with HuntLink by Serviceside. I am joined on the mic by longtime Serviceside member, friend of mine actually, fellow uh, Floridian, uh, Justin Markham. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. Just trying to get some work done and enjoying deer season. It opens up this weekend for public land here. Um, that's just, that's about it. Enjoying the family too. Nice, man. Nice. Well, um, the reason we have you on, um, for one, obviously, to catch up, but you are the first service side member um, to take a whitetail buck this year. Um, you just killed him a couple weeks ago. Super, super awesome monster Kentucky buck, which I'm going to let you um, talk about the details on that. Um, but we want to hear the story. We want to see uh, we'll hear what you know, what happened, what unfolded, and hopefully some of our listeners can take some tips um, and tricks with them um, to help them possibly be successful in the timber. Um, but Justin, let's let's let the listeners get to know you a little bit here. Uh, how did you get started out into hunting? So, to be honest with you, two two days before I was born, my mom and dad were hunting raccoons with dogs, and. I've just been brought into it my whole entire life. Um, it, it's been, it's absorbed all, all of my childhood. That's just what we've done as a family. And do they, I mean, do you guys still primarily hunt together or? Yeah, well, I'll hunt my dad. We, we hunt some public land together. Um, he hunts a lease in Georgia and there's some public land up there. We'll go up there and hunt every now and again and, um, not as much as we used to, but we still do get together and do hunts together. Nice. nice. We go fishing and all that. That's great, man. Yeah. I always encourage people, you know, I lost my father a few years back and that's one thing you'll, you almost regret is not, not getting as much time out there as you can. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, creating those memories, which, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, but let's dive into it, man. Tell us, tell us about this deer. What, uh, how did, how did, I guess let's start off with how did the trip kind of get planned and started? Um, and then we can just work through the timeline there. So, um, my now buddy and I are part of this group, uh, at the time it was called Chasing Tales and we're part of this Marco Polo group. And honestly, I, I kind of thought he was, I don't know what I thought, but it was, I sent him some stuff on the Marco Polo separate and I never got an answer back. I was like, all right, well, whatever. You know, he's one of those guys. Eight months later, he messages me on Marco Polo and says, Hey man, you want to go to Kentucky? Now we've never talked like you and I, like just person to person. We've talked through the group to each other. And uh, he just out of nowhere invites me four months ago to go to Kentucky to hunt. I'm like, let me talk to my wife. Sure. Uh, if she's fine with it, then I'll go. So I talk to her, get permission. Or, well, she's fine with it. You know, we have two young kids. Yeah, you one's kids. At the time, one is just being born. Um, she's now five months old. And uh, the other one is about to turn four at that time. So um she's good with watching the kids for you know a few days while i go out of state to hunt and we get to know each other over these four months and now we're good friends it ended up being three of us that went 
uh, and we all got we all get along and just about talk every day now. But uh, that's that's how the trip got planned. Austin, um, he came up with the WMA. He came up with the time. Him and I paid for the pay, the campground right then. As soon as I told him I was good to go, and pretty much he planned all this out to to go to the place because we went up there and hunted public land in Kentucky. Um, so then we go through that. We get through the few months. We meet for lunch a couple times because we work in the same area, and um. August comes around and they had been hinting about going and doing a scout trip. Well, I couldn't make it because of prior plans. They go up there and set a bunch of cameras out. I think they put out 13 cameras. And uh, this is the first week of August. So they sit for right out a month up there. When we go up, what's the day? August 30th, I think, we left Florida, headed to Kentucky, and that was a Thursday night. We drove all through the night, arrived at the campground at about 5.30, got everything set up, took a little nap. Um, the whole way up there, I was kind of like, ah, eh, we, we might kill a deer. We might only you know, see some deer, maybe kill a doe or something. I was nonchalant about it. I was not hyped about it. You know, I really didn't know nothing about the place. And Austin, he's hyped up and he, he's ready to hunt. Jared was a little sick, but he was still pretty excited. Um, but we get up there, we take a nap, we get up about, I think it was 8 o'clock Eastern time. And we crank out to go check these trail cameras, you know, get my eyes on the property for the first time besides aerial scouting. Um, so we, we get done with that about, uh, it was probably one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Two of the cameras out of the 13 got stole. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty unfortunate because they're in really good spots too, which turned out to be very popular spots with other people. That's typically how it happens. You know, I, I talk to people, I do a lot of e-scouting and I, you, you got to tell yourself this. I, I tell people, don't let it deter you, you know, just like hunting a mature deer. But if you think it looks good on maps, the other, however many hunters are in the world, whatever are in the U S you know, whatever million there are, they probably think it looks good too. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, but for, you know, we check these cameras and the first camera we check is Austin's uh, Tacticam because they didn't have enough service to send pictures. We check it and it has a monster 10 point with a double main beam on it. And it's just a gorgeous deer. And it's got several other really, really good deer on it. And we we didn't think that was what we're uh, gonna see. We're you know figuring maybe some hundred hundred twenty inch deer, you know, nothing major, just good deer for us Florida boys. Cause you know down here if we kill a hundred inch deer, we're 
It's, we're ecstatic about oh, it. Yeah, dude, you, you kill a hundred inch deer here, especially on public land. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a feat of, you know, it puts you up there with the best hunters. And I know everyone says that about their state, but just, just come to Florida <laughs> for anyone that that wants to whitetail hunt. Come to Florida. Um, it's, I don't think it's so much like our deer any better than anyone else. I think it's the fact of they are smaller. They, they live in swamps. You know, they're you know, unless it's the you, terrain. Yeah, it's the, it's the terrain and it's the environment and you know it's you can't see five feet in front of you and it's just it's not a you know they're they're a little bit trickier to you know I always joke with someone I'm like if a tree branch falls out the tree lands on the ground ten feet from a deer it'll change its patterns for a month you know like it's it, they're so uh, pressured and um, just timid you know it reminds me of bear to be honest with you but. <clears throat> it is insane here but um yeah we we were very happy with the pictures that we got on all the cameras or well most of the cameras some of them just had pictures of leaves blowing and um people lots of people but uh we get to one of the last cameras and it ends up being where we are fairly close on the same bean field as the deer i killed and uh, we get a picture of, or videos. I had all my cameras set to video mode. We get videos of five bucks over 100 inches hanging out together. Two of them are really good bucks. One's a really, really wide, eight, maybe 10. I don't really remember. But the one was just a solid. Uh, he ended up being 15 inches wide, 15 and a half inches wide, and real tall tines, 10 point. And uh, I was like, that's, that's my dream deer right here. I, I want to kill a, a 10, and uh, he's a gorgeous, symmetrical deer. Uh, and all my life, that's just what I wanted to kill. So I was like, yeah, I'm, that's great. We And we had another spot that had a real tall eight-point on it. Uh, we didn't see much of him because he was really close to the camera, but he's definitely a, a, a good deer, but um the other spots have lots and lots of people so now we're you know we're done checking trail cameras we're we've looked at all this the areas and at this time we're still not you know, like as far as walking around the woods we don't know that there's a bunch of people there's not a bunch of like tracks or any kind of sign of their human sign um so we go to prepping for the next morning you know if number morning being saturday morning and i'm having a hard time figuring out where i'm gonna sit because i'm still not like we're gonna kill these deer that we have on camera i'm still in that state of doubt so i ended up going and sitting not far from where one of the trail cameras got stole in between two creek crossings and i didn't see nothing but people uh, I think I ended up seeing four or five people. I might have seen a couple of deer. It, just, it wasn't nothing, nothing in bow range, so I wasn't really concerned about it. Um, like Austin seen 40-something deer that morning, nothing in bow range. Jared didn't see nothing but people, too. So we get down, go eat, start talking about it. Austin says he's going to go back to where he's seen all the deer. That's where the double main being 10 was at. I think he had more points than 10, but he was a mainframe 10 with 
a double main beam on the left side. Um, we start talking about plans for the afternoon, and I was like, I want to go to this bean field, and this bean field had like a little point on it that stuck out into the field, and the field's like a big L. And it had a strip of woods on the north side that went in between the beans and the CRB. So I was like, I'm going to just sit in this point right here, and I'm going to observe the whole field you know, as, good, as well as I can. I was like, I want to get in early, though, before the deer start moving. So I think I, I got dropped off at 3.30, and I got set up in the tree at 4.30. I had to walk a mile. There's two ways I could come. I could either come from the, the close road and walk through the beans and probably walk 300 yards, or I could come in from the other access, and it was over a mile. But it was quieter, easier walking than trying to walk through beans. So I decided to walk a mile. And I get in there. I get all set up. I'm sitting there for a little while, about 530. I had some people walk in on me. I'm hunting, of course. And I, I waved them off. Well, they went exactly where I didn't want them to go. They went east of me, and the wind was blowing out of the south to the north. So my wind was blowing into the bean field, but I was blowing down the middle of the bean field where I wasn't exactly concerned about a deer smelling me. Mm -hmm. But where they went, there's a block of woods over there. And I don't know, it was probably about 40 acres or so of hardwoods. And they got right up not too far from it. Um, and so the way the wind was blowing, it was blowing their scent right into the edge of the woods at a certain point. And I was like, all right, it's, it's public land. Everybody can do what they want. I was a little frustrated, but. No, I, I mean, dude, say, it's a, it's a, it's a natural human response. I'm the biggest advocate of hunters getting out and uniting and having a great experience, but when you have passion for something, you also have the feeling of, dang, well, my hunt's blown. And I know that's not a guarantee that hunts are blown. I've literally seen deer come right behind somebody on a trail and they're walking their dog. But it's still, you still get that human, you know, part of your brain that's like, dang it. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I, mean, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm talking to, my, to the group I'm in, you know, just because there's a couple other boys out there hunting Western Kentucky, and uh, quite a few of them have hunted Kentucky before. Um, and they're like, oh, don't get discouraged. Stay in that tree. I was like, kind of have to stay in the tree. Austin's a 30-minute drive is almost 70 mile an hour away. So there's no reason for me to get down. Right. Um, so I just talk with them and back and forth. And about well, some four-wheelers that came through the creek to my south. I was like, eh, whatever. You know, there's a good buffer of woods in between me and that creek. Maybe the deer bedded in the woods right here. So not only was I doing the observation sitting this, when I got in there, I noticed there was four edges that came together at this point. There was bean CRP on either side and then CRP woods. So there's four transitions right here two on each side that came to that point and there it was heavily browsed right there in front of the point and it was going to be the first part of the field that was shaded and from everything i've heard is deer like coming through the shaded part of the field and because it's cooler you know they can start eating and then go off well 
I ain't seen nothing, ain't heard nothing but people. And then about 6.30, I hear some racket to my right. Uh, I'm looking. I can't see nothing. Finally, I see something move, and I'm like, "What is, is that somebody setting up a tree stand? So I whistled. They weren't very far from me. And uh, I ain't get nothing. I whistled again, and I heard, who was that? At that time, it didn't really phase me any. But then two girls come walking up, and they're in just like regular, like shorts and t-shirts. I was like, really? They must be getting ready for tomorrow. That wasn't the case either. A guy and a younger kid come walking up, and I whistled again. He ended up walking up almost to the tree I was in before he finally seen me. You know, I was up there waving, trying to get their attention, trying to get them to quiet down. He's talking to me like fairly loudly, loud enough that I was not very happy again. Um, he's like, hey, man, do you see the wardens over there? And I, look, I like kind of glanced over there. I was like, there's two guys over there, but I'm pretty sure they're hunting. Um, he's like, oh, well, they're after us because we're right here riding four-wheelers on the public land. I'm like, oh, great. So they, he like, all right, well, are they coming this way? I was like, no, they're sitting over there in the beans. He's like, all right, well, we'll get out of here. What are you doing? It's like I'm, I'm hunting, man. I'm, I'm a long ways from home. I'm trying to kill the deer, and y'all are messing me up. And uh, they, they take off, and they get, I don't know, 150 yards away from me, and I hear the four wheelers crank up, and they take off, tear out. I'm like, all right, so they're already running from the, the game warden. So I go ahead and call and uh, talk to the game warden, or talk to. I guess it was dispatch, and then the game warden calls me. This is like 6.45 now. And I talked to them for a few minutes and give them the like, descriptions of what they're riding. He's all right, well, we're going to do what we can. Uh, there's only one truck out here, and it's hard to catch them running back and forth. I, was like, I understand. I was like, I'm just a long ways from home trying to hunt, and they're out here breaking the law. So I figured I'd you know, give you all a heads up. Um, so got done talking to them and I was frustrated at this point. I, I was, I'm ready to get home. I don't have people riding foliage by me in Florida. Horses, bikes, sure. People watching birds. Yeah. Four wheelers. No. Right. So, I got thinking about it and I keep a little Bible in my, in my hunting backpack. So I pulled it out and I started, I picked up where I left off the last time and I started reading. I read, I don't know, four or five chapters and I got in a better mood. Um, I guess I just, I wasn't hunting anymore. I was just sitting there and, you know, taking in everything and reading. And um, I guess I'd, I'd look around every now and again, trying to see if there's deer in the field or not with my binoculars. About 8.30, it's almost dark at this time. I pick up my binoculars, and I'm looking to see if those guys are moving out or getting ready to head back to their truck, and I catch something move in the very northeast side of the field. And I was like, what is that? I twist around the tree because I'm sitting in a saddle. 
and I get to looking, and it's a big-bodied deer. I'm like, oh, yeah. That looks like a good, uh, really good deer, like a true deer. And about the time, I guess he caught their wind or whatever happened. But he throws his head up, and I see a wide frame. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm after right there. Um, so I watched the deer, and then he bounds off into the mo- – there's a moat place in between the beams and the trees that – uh, about 40-acre block I was talking about. Uh-huh. And he's right at the edge of the CRP and the beans on that transition. And when he hits that, I could really see his horns against the um, – or antlers against the, the darkness of the tree line. I'm like, man, that's, that's a really good deer. So I watched him for a few minutes, and he eases off into the woods, and then he's got – quite a few other bucks with him he was off into the woods and there was a really light colored deer with him and i wasn't like um aware of the deer like i seen the deer like and i could see something like on top of his head i couldn't really tell i mean they were 400 yards away from me and but I, I, he had what looked like a really good, almost like a beach ball on top of his head of fuzz, like for a size comparison. Uh-huh. And I, I just noted where they all went in. I think there were seven bucks together right there. So I got to talking to my buddy Matt as part of the other group because he was up there in Kentucky. He'd already killed on opening morning at eight point with a drop time. Yeah, going from food to bed. So I was talking with him about strategy and stuff and sending a screenshot of where I was at and what I was looking at. We talked about it and we both agreed upon a, a spot to start the next morning. Because the in the that block of hardwoods was a Another set of hardwoods that looked more mature, so it made another transition. So we figured they were bedding back there. Maybe there's like a little ridge or something back there they were bedding on. All observation and just guesses, like this is where the deer went, so maybe maybe that's what they're doing. It's all theory up until you can prove it, right? Right. So... That night, instead of walking back out the long way, I just cut to the west through the bean field and walked straight to the hard road and told Austin and Jared to come pick me up over there. And they're like, all right, yeah, that's fine. Why, why you want to pick us up you up over here? I seen a really big deer or two good deer and quite a few other bucks over here. And I don't want to walk by them. Okay, that makes sense. So we do that, get picked up. We all talk strategy. You know, I talked to a few people. I talked to quite a few people before we even went up there about like the strategies to have going up there and hunting that early season. Because, yeah, I, this is my first time hunting Kentucky ever. I've only ever hunted like Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. 
so we um we got a plan figured out and the plan was to sit not far from that transition of the beans and the crp and then once the morning hunting over because a lot of people say that bucks don't move in the mornings very well in the early season it's a once the hunt was over to go try and hunt the uh or scout the that big block of hardwoods but little did i know the deer was going to walk in that morning and uh me jared and i got dropped off at the the long walk entrance again jared said or we get to the crp being edge i was like i'm gonna dip in right here he said, all right, I'm, I'm going to get down here about 80 yards. In the middle of the beans, there was like a little road that went through all the way. And on the opposite side of that road was where that camera was that got the pictures off the bucks, which is like, I don't know, probably six, 700 yards away. And um, he sits at the end of that, which once it gets daylight, where he's sitting there's a road that goes through the hardwoods back towards the highway to the east but i think we got set up at 6 a.m and it, it doesn't get da- daylight until almost seven up there yeah being a little so we, more heading a little more west there with that sun yeah it, it's like right on the line like if you step 10 feet the wrong way your phone will change It'll say 540 instead of 640. Yeah, good old time change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was right there on the line. Um, I mean, it was a little frustrating because we didn't know which one of us needed to set. We all set up arms because we didn't know which phone was going to be on what as far as, like, getting up. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we got in early. We got there at six, and you know, it starts getting daylight about seven. And I start talking to the polo group again, and showing them what what I'm set up on, what it looks like right there. And where I set up at was about I don't know, twenty yards off of the edge, the tree line, and about ten yards behind me was a ditch. Well, I got milkweed, and it's foggy. I mean, it's bad foggy. We, we walked in without lights, you know, no, didn't want nothing to see us. So, um, it's bad for you. It starts getting daylight. I start dropping milkweed just to see where my wind's going. Because it's supposed to be coming out of the south and going north. And my my, uh, my milkweed's dropping right there to the southwest or southeast of me into that ditch. I'm like, that's perfect. I mean, it's dropping almost straight down. So, if a deer comes in off the beans, you know, it, it won't smell me. And I done made my mind up. This is the third sit. I haven't had it. All I've seen is deer way across the field. I haven't had nothing in bow range. First deer steps out, I'm killing it. Um, I'm sitting here playing on my phone, talking to the guys, you know, just kind of swinging back and forth from the saddle because I can't seem to sit still on that thing. <laughs> um, and at seven, like 728 or so, I look up. Like, like something catches the side of my eye and I like looked at it and I was like that wasn't there a minute ago 
And I swing around a little bit, and I'm like, oh, that's a deer. That's a big deer, you know, just body-wise. And it's that light-colored deer that I'd seen the, the night before. And then the dark the dark coated deer with the wide uh, the wide frame, he was on the other side of him, and there's like seven deer right there. And you know when it got daylight, I arranged a few trees around me just to make sure. And there's this one tree, or it was two trees. There's a double tree, and the front tree was 25, the back tree was 26. So when the deer started coming into the woods, he went from middle to front like i said i could see a beach ball on top of his head it was still fairly dark because it, it's real foggy you know it's kind of mountainous so the sun isn't up over the trees yet but that's exactly what they did they come from the beans and we're going back to bed in the hardwoods and um he hit he got right beside that tree and i, I put my phone away i didn't grab my bow and he's I'll just watch to see if he was going to step in front of her or behind it. He stepped right behind that tree. So I guess he met 27, 28 yards. Cause he wasn't far behind it. And I drew back and he steps out from behind that tree. And I could, I could see his shoulder. Perfect. Uh, I said, man, kind of quiet. And he, he didn't stop. I'm like, Oh God, I'm gonna have to shoot these deer run, or uh, walking. And we're, we're talking milliseconds right here. And, he steps two more steps, and I'm real loud, and he throws his head up and looks towards me, and I held a little high with my 20-yard pin. I'm shooting heavy airs with single bevel broadheads, and uh, I touched that trigger, and I watched that blue knock disappear right there behind his shoulder and reappear in the ground behind him, and I, I kind of freaked out for a second set my bow up on the hanger and he run about I don't know probably about 50 yards right there and turn around and look back where I shot him at kind of like I, I guess it was what was that and he started stumbling so I grabbed my phone real quick and started recording it and you can't really see the deer but you can hear him crashing and see his tail flicking and everything and he crashes right there 40 yards away from me and at this point, I absolutely lose it. And so I, I call my wife. I'm like, oh, he's dead, he's dead. And uh, I get so excited. I um, dry heave, pretty much gag um, when, when I kill any animal. I, I get hyped up. So I started like dry heaving. And she's like, do you have water? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. She's like, all right, drink water and call me back. So I FaceTime my dad and mom, and I'm up there. I can't talk, but I'm up there. And uh, my dad's like, you get him? I'm like, he's dead right there. And, uh, yeah, just so excited. And then I um, I get off the phone with them, and I start showing the polo group, you know, like little videos and stuff. I'm like, yeah. I said, shot him at 20. No, I think I said 25 to 28, and he went 40 yards. He's dead right there. Um, now early on before well Friday Jared said if we shoot a buck that we're not going to go to the deer until um, till we're all there now it's hard enough sitting in a tree center after you shoot a deer just to sit there right so 
now I have to sit. It's seven thirty, so I have to sit there until at least nine thirty. And um, Austin is, like I said, thirty minutes away. Jared's eighty yards behind me. He he said he heard something, but he couldn't tell. I texted him and said, "Giant down." I was like, "I'm gonna sit a little longer." So if anything else comes through, you have a chance. He's like, I, I appreciate that. Um, and then he's like, how big was he? Is he down? He sent me the Luke Bryan thing. Is he down? And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I can see him right now. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, he, he's dead right there. And he, the way he fell, I couldn't see his horn. Or I couldn't see his head. All I could see was his like the belly and part of his part of his back. So after an hour or so, I started second-guessing myself. I was like, man, I probably just shot a spike. Like, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at his antlers. I just kind of, that looks like a, a mature buck. I'm going to shoot it. And I, I go through the whole second-guessing my thing. And finally, um, Jared texts me and says, hey, man, I'm going to hop down. I'm going to go start scouting. This is like 9 o'clock. So he, he hops down. So I, I SRT. Um, which is sing- single rope technique, climb, and uh, I repel- I get all my stuff together, rappel down the tree, realize I didn't tie a piece of rope to my carabiner where my rope's girth itched. I was like, that gum it. So I had to climb back up the tree, hook up a piece of rope, and then slide back down. And I get back down with a- and pack everything up, walk out. I think about 10 o'clock, Austin finally comes around the corner. Well, actually, Austin calls me. But there's me and Jared's been talking all morning. He didn't have service. He calls me. He's like, Well, I was like, He's dead. He's like, What? He got there a little faster than, uh, faster than he did the day before or the night before. And, um, he comes. So he walks down in there and he pops out into the edge of the field. He's like three, four hundred yards away, and he just takes off. I throw my hands up in the air, and he takes off running, coming to me. And then he gets here. He's like, "You ready to go look for his deer?" And I was like, "No, Jared's in the woods scouting still, setting up his tree stand." I was like, "I told him you were here." And he's like, "He needs to tighten up. Let's go find his deer." And I was like, "No, we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait." And everybody else is like, "Man, y'all go look for this deer. Go find this deer." I'm like, I, I, I'm waiting. I'm wait, I, I, I want to video the recovery. Like, I, I haven't seen this deer yet. I don't know what he's got on his head. I'll, I just, I want everything here to be original. So, me and Austin go and look at the arrow and see all the blood all over the arrow. He for sure smoked. And oh, Jared comes out. It's, it's about 10.30 and we go in there and Grab the arrow, pull it out of the ground, and I, I started to look for blood, and I was like, you know what? I know where the deer's at. And I was like, yeah, we don't need the blood. You know where he's at. So we take off in there, and we walk straight up to him, and they're both taller than I am. I'm only like five foot six. Uh, I think Austin's right at six foot, and Jared's over six foot. And they see the deer before I do. Uh, there's like a little bit of brush right in front of me, and Austin's like, oh, And I, I come around the edge of those bushes, and I just see that frame laying on the ground. He's full velvet, 
10 point. He's the deer I wanted. And I, I pick him up and twist him around a little bit in the video. And I'm like, it's him. And we're all just taking it in. You know, this giant deer that we just did not expect. And I don't know what they were thinking, but I was thinking this deer was like in the, I don't know, probably high 130s, low 140 range. And, uh, as soon as I did that, as soon as um, we took it in for a minute, I called my wife, or I, told, I was like, I'm, I'm calling my wife real quick. So I FaceTimed her and my and my little girl, um, and uh, talked to them for a minute, showed them the deer and everything. And then I got some phone with them, FaceTimed my dad, showed him, and then uh, once we got off the phone, I uh, I showed the group the deer and everybody's just oh my god skinny you did it because my nickname's skinny in there in that group and um we dragging two days of the field and uh the owner of the company i worked for he calls me like three times and he's like man good job you know what a deer you know just sent some pictures around get him out to the edge of the field take some better pictures and still just taking it in disbelief and uh, my buddy Kevin's like, man, that deer's in the high 150s, if not 160s. I was like, nah, I don't know, man. I don't think so. He's like, can you wrap your fingers around the, his bases? I said, barely. He's like, yeah, he's, he's definitely in the 160s. Then. He's like, right at low 160s. I'm like, okay. Uh, I didn't know. I really didn't care about the scores. It's just first time being in Kentucky. First deer that steps out in bow ranges. This deer i've only dreamed about killing and you know we just hook it in like we spent some time with him for sure heck yeah man that's that's awesome and and that's your biggest deer to date right yeah by 40 inches nice nice man that's big difference than those florida bucks huh <laughs> man he was somewhere in the 230 to 240 range weight wise he ended up being 161 and one eighths inches as a symmetrical clean 10 point. Nice. You probably got that thing to the taxidermist quick, huh? It's actually still in my house. I need yeah. to get it to the taxidermist. I, I just have, I've been working a lot the last couple of weeks. If I get off at a decent time today, I'll probably run it over to him. How does that make you feel as far as, the rest of your season i mean you have some other trips planned right yeah there's one to southwest georgia slash north florida in the panhandle um there's one in a little bit south of there in january other than that not really i'm probably just gonna hunt florida quite a bit nice nice do you feel like kind of the pressure is off a little bit or I honestly haven't been motivated to even get into the woods down here. Like, I, I guess I'm still kind of in disbelief about the deer. Like, I open the freezer and I, I look at him and I'm like, ow. I guess I don't even know, man. I'm, I haven't been, I've lost a little bit of motivation, but uh, I think yesterday I, I kind of gained some back. I was talking to my dad about some. Uh, some spots to go hunt in some public land by the house 
Uh, let's put some meat in the freezer. I ain't a trophy hunter. I like shooting your deer, but I've been looking for a good one for the last few years. I've been passing deer and passing deer, and then finally get it done. Especially going to a new state on public. Um, you know, I, I talk to so many people, and whether you're motivated to do it or not, like getting out there and experiencing what that state has the off to offer, and I mean, literally, just the environment, the bugs, the the vegetation, the terrain. There's so much to take in. You know, most of your trips when you go out the first day or two, you are scouting. Um, I feel like that, you know, as much as – really, I feel like doesn't matter how much passion you have for hunting, it's still a lot of work with things as far as scouting and e-scouting and, you know, running into people. So unless you have a bunch of different plans, you know, you're having to make different plans every night and you want to be successful, but you're also not trying to get your hopes too high and – um, it's definitely a lot to do it, but if you don't get out there and you don't experience it, if you would have been like, you know what, guys, you know, we haven't really done a ton of scouting. I don't feel comfortable being successful. I'm going to bail out. You would have never killed the, the buck of a lifetime, you know? Yeah, 100%. Man, I, I loved it up there. The The terrain's beautiful. Uh, the people are so nice up there. Like, every time we went to town, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all up here hunting? I, I hope y'all do pretty good. And, you know, just everyone's real genuine. There's a, a breath of fresh air coming from Florida because, you know, not everybody here is that nice. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I get that, man. You know, where I grew up, I was privileged enough to experience that. But when I was just in Maine last week, it was the same deal. We come into a camp town is the best way I like to put it. No stoplights, one gas station, you know, about 10 minutes away. And I think the closest town was like over an hour away. So, uh, you know, the people there were just, you know, very genuine, very nice. You know, they knew what you were there for. They knew you were there hunting. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, to be able to tell when someone's there hunting. Um, and you know, they weren't like, oh, they're, you know, killing our animals or, you know, I felt no negativity or, or harshness. They're like, Hey, it's, it's time to, you know, get busy. You know, the hunters are here. Let's make some money. Um, and I like that. I feel like that's a win-win for everyone. You get great service, you get treated good, you get a break from home, um, and then they make a little, you know, a little pocket change there off of you. So I, I feel like those types of relationships definitely uh, create a good out-of-state hunting experience. I've actually, as many hunts as I've been on, I've actually never run into locals treating me bad, you know, after chatting with them or at a you know, we get invited to a party one night and, and just things like that. I never had anyone treated me bad. I mean, then you come to your home state and you, you feel like you get a little bit more. I don't know if it's maybe because you're, you're used to it or, you, you know, I'm sure social media has a lot to do with it. I about half can't stand being on it half the time, seeing how people treat each other. But that's neither here nor there, a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody was just... Like I said, they were just so nice. Like, everybody up there was pleasant to be around. Like, even the campground, like, we brought the deer back to the campground. We, they asked us, the, the, the host said it probably wasn't a good idea to bring the deer there, but we literally had nowhere else to go, and we had to dress this deer because he, he's already been dead for four hours now. And uh, everybody at the campground that drove by, they, they brought their kids over, took pictures with the deer. It was just like the, the community was like great like everybody just wanted to come in see the deer 
hey, congrats, y'all. Good job. We knew y'all was up here hunting. We've seen the bow cases and coolers and stuff like that. And, um, like I said, it was, it was, it was a great trip. Like, just all of it. Like, even Friday when we were out scouting around, I'm, like, taking pictures of flowers and stuff because my little girl loves flowers, especially purple ones and um, I showed her pictures and she's like, Oh my God, it's so pretty. And, um, uh, when she seen my deer on FaceTime for the first time, she's like, Dada, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but... you know, if people, that's the thing, if, if people are wanting to get out there and try different forms of hunting in different States or chasing different game animals, really, I mean, the, you know, I hear it all the time. What's the first thing I do? And I definitely want to, you know get your opinion on it but i tell them I'm like well for one pick the place you want to go and what you want to hunt um and then start networking start getting to know people like you did on the marco polo group you know chat with them see if you like them if you like them the relationship will flourish and you'll you'll get these opportunities um, i tell people not, most of the time it doesn't work of you know oh you seen that person kill a big deer you're going to try to befriend them and you know in hopes of getting maybe a spot or, or you a better deer and it becomes a transactional really a transactional experience and i tell people all the time like that transactional experience you might get someone that's you know willing to to share a little something because maybe they've already shot the buck they wanted or whatever but you got to build those relationships chat with them become friends don't expect anything in return you know you chatted with this guy and he invites you on a trip um to go with them you know and you were able to make it work logistically and stuff so um you know definitely getting out of that comfort zone but what would you say if you had to give some advice on someone getting out of state now that you've done it you know been through all the emotions up and down what would you kind of give as far as advice if someone's looking to kind of have a similar experience as you did so one piece of advice is so I, I got well I, I don't remember who exactly said it but there was a guy in Ohio last year and he found a turtle on top of the hill and they came up with the, the term be the turtle stay consistent keep pushing um, and don't let anything get you down you know what I mean? Like, that turtle was a long ways away from where he should have been, and he was on top of that hill. So it was be the turtle, uh, in a way. Um, so I got lots of information from different people. I took information from about 10, 15 people, and I kind of turned it into what I thought I needed. Because where we were hunting at was, it was very hilly. Like, there was definitely some, like, mountains there. Or I'm going to call them mountains because there were sharp hills cut out. Like, there was rock cut out for the roads and um, stuff that you just probably weren't going to just walk up either. So, a little more than a hill, but not quite a mountain there. Um, but where we were hunting at was fairly flat as far as terrain goes. There's creeks and ditches and stuff like that. Lots of ag. So my plan going in was to get somewhere. First morning was kind of a wash. I just wrote that morning. I was going somewhere where a deer might would walk through. 
because of two creek crossings. And I wasn't worried about that morning. But that afternoon, I was going to observe. I wanted to see deer, watch what deer did, and make a move on deer. We only had three days to hunt. I had already wasted one slit. So I was going to sit that afternoon. I wanted to put eyes on deer, see what deer were doing, and try and move on them and be aggressive. Um, like I said, I only got six sits here to get it done, and I wanted to get it done. I ended up getting it done in three. Uh, I didn't hunt the rest of the trip. I was pretty tired uh, the next morning from dry heaving. My whole chest cavity up to the back of my throat hurt. So, but if you don't know what deer are doing in a place you've never hunted, I, I mean, deer are deer, but if you, but you can put eyes on them and watch deer, you get a little better understanding for what they might be doing right there. And I think uh, glabbing, which is what um, service side is all about, is uniting hunters. Um, you have that. You you talk to people that have been there and done that. Um, Matt, they killed the eight with the drop time. He ended up being nine because of the drop time. But um, He's hunted up there for two years. I talked to him. I talked to Parker McDonald. He's hunted up there for, I want to say, three or four years for the early season. It's not, not eight early season, just the opener of bow season. Um. I've talked to a buddy named Great. We call him Graybeard. He hunts in Kentucky. Has a family farm in Kentucky. He's from Florida, though. Um, Brett Masteran talked to him quite a bit. You know, this talk to all these people and you know make plans on, or I get ideas on plans and take that information and turn it into your own kind of like a podcast. So what works for me might not work for you. But if you take a little bit of what I say and a little bit of what you say, a little bit of what somebody else says and put it all together, it tends to work out a little easier. Yeah, no, it definitely makes a good cocktail for success. Um, you know, different perspectives. I've seen deer do something on one side of the river that they don't do on the other. Um, it's all about perspectives. And, and I always tell people when people do give you advice, you listen to podcasts, you do anything with higher education or resources, you got to take a little bit of every ingredient to apply it to your situation. Um, you know, you just getting out there, you know, you stuck with what you knew, you were trying creek crossings, things like that. Um, then as you've seen the people and the pressure, you kind of evolved with what you were doing. Three days is a short turnaround. I actually don't do many. I have a few this year, but I try not to do many three day hunts, even though that's the easiest to plan just because, you know, you do spend a day or two sometimes scouting and prepping and, oh crap, there's a bunch of people here. Oh, it looks like somebody thought this spot was good too. There's 30 trucks in the, on the pull off, you know, so, and I don't mind hunters being out there, but I'm going out there to enjoy myself too. Not if I want to see a bunch of people, I'll go to Tampa, drive around for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be stuck in Tampa for more than 10 minutes that's true man that's true I don't think you can make it through a light in 10 minutes I despise that place yeah it's definitely rough but um that's awesome man that's a great great tribute to that buck there beautiful buck well you know the people that are listening to this podcast now this is going to be the um cover photo so if you're already listening to it you've already seen it but that's the buck Justin got um 
freaking monster. I can't wait to see what the taxidermist does to it and get it up on the wall. But um, we'll we'll definitely be hunting together soon. Um, you know, soon enough. What are we? About an hour and a half from each other or so. Give or take. <clears throat> so I do a lot of hunting in your area. Adam Tucker's actually going to be coming down next weekend. We're going to try our hand at flying eagle there i've got some cameras out some decent bucks on camera so we'll see what we can do i heard across the river it's it's fired up right now but i don't know if that's a facebook fired up or if it's actually fired up so we'll see it's hard to say you know how it is some people say the rut's on and the rut's not until the middle of october just because they've seen one deer pushing one doe yeah, no, that's that's you're right, man. I've I've seen a, a buck on camera chasing, and then I have other bucks that are you know not chasing. So it's you know it's it. Cameras cameras are good and bad. They they help you they help you be successful, but they can also mess you up. Um, you know, you think they're rutting, and you put yourself in a rut situation, and in reality, he's not rutting at all. You know, the con there's not much context putting in a photo <laughs> or a video. I mean, so I know people that use them for long term. Um, they'll use, they'll put them out this year and see if pressure displaces deer and use them like that. They don't use them for seeing what kind of deer is in the area. I mean, yes and no. They'll see like, oh yeah, that's that's a good buck or whatever. But they're looking for like that displacement, right? Um, but well, Justin, we're coming on about an hour here. Um, I definitely appreciate you jumping on, man. It was it was great finally getting to hear all the details of the story. Um, but something I like to do, I haven't done it in the last few episodes, but um, you being the first member I've had on in a couple weeks, I had Blaze on and Dusty not too long ago. They were heading out to colorado to do some diy hunting but um, if you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice um you know it doesn't even have to be just related to the trip of just getting out there what would you say to them mm-hmm. something maybe that you've applied this year that maybe you haven't in the past or maybe a change of thought or maybe a change of perspective especially going to a diy state you've never done before Let's see. I guess don't get discouraged watching other people's success. Um, you see all these pictures of success. You, you don't know what went into that. They're, they could be 49 cents in and finally killed that deer or something like that. But um, don't measure your success upon somebody else's. I'd have to say. Nice. You can get real discouraged real quick. And that it discouraged me, it'll mess up your season like that. For sure. No, I that's that's great advice, man. I it couldn't be any more spot on, especially in the day and age of, of social media. Uh, you know, when I was out on a bear hunt, we let some bears walk and I had many people, many people ask me, Why would you do that? You know, I would have just took it, you know, you, you know how it goes. You hear a million and one things and I'm like, well guys, 
I don't I don't need internet validation. And I'm not saying that person does. It's it's that's neither here nor there, but I personally don't need internet validation. I don't need to pull the trigger or put an arrow through something um, just because it's there or just because it could be the only opportunity. Um, you know, I, I don't need to do that. Um, I am blessed to have enough resources that I can go hunt wherever I want. I'm good at finances, so I'm, I'm good at saving. I'm good at planning. I'm good at logistics. Um, so I have trips that I plan in advance, DIY um, or guided hunts. It really just depends on the situation if I've been there before. And you know, I, I can never stress it enough. Like you have to fill your tag in the, in the capacity that you want to. If you're at the end of your rope and you're like, hey, it's the end of season, I'm just trying to fill a tag, great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, if you get there and you're like, I'm only doing shooters, that's that's great too. Um, I'm not even, I'm like how you were, where you're talking, I'm not a trophy hunter, but I do know what I want. You don't have to be a trophy hunter to know what you want. I feel like that, that line kind of gets maybe uh, blurred a little bit. People think, well, he's only taking what he wants. He's a trophy hunter. No, no, I'm not a trophy hunter. Um, I definitely hunt for meat, but I also know what I want and what I want to put my tag on. Um, and having that mindset, I believe, really evolves you as a hunter. And there's only going to be more experiences. Unless you're hanging up the bow tomorrow, you're going to have plenty more experiences in the future, good and bad. So, For sure. I mean, uh, Jared ended up killing deer that night at, in the same spot. <laughs> that's crazy he killed a, a seven point yeah he, he got it on video too nice that's that's awesome it sounds like that spot's on fire i, I seen where somebody commented what county you killed it and you're like i'd rather not say well after killing that many bucks at once i probably wouldn't say either uh unfortunately it's public record in kentucky oh yeah well you know uh i mean Hey, look at it like this too, man. Double-edged sword. It's uh, it's a lot of land. It's a lot of land out there. So, you know, telling okay. someone, you know, I talked to someone, I was like, well, I don't want to tell it. I killed it in the Appalachian Mountains. And I'm like, well, the Appalachian Mountains go from Georgia to Maine. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plenty of land. Even even our WMAs talking about Flying Eagle. I've, I've had people burn me. They're like, why are you always talking about Flying Eagle? I'm like, well, it's quota only. Um, <laughs> so, unless they draw... Um, it's not going to be a big deal. And the fact is the way it works there, if you don't, if you're not out there scouting, you know, at least once a month, the terrain constantly changes. The terrain's always, if it rains too much, completely different setup of hunting. If it's too dry, completely different set of, of hunting. So, yeah, I actually had a lo local message me and asked me if that deer came from that place. And I didn't want to say until I found out it was public knowledge that, uh, and I got to talking to him and he has like footage of this deer all summer and you know they they watched him and had trail cam for pictures of him and that was the two guys that walked in on me that that afternoon and they were hunting that deer and I just I got lucky the next morning and got it done nice well you know that's that's how it happens man that's hunting for you but Justin, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on again. If y'all haven't seen the photo yet, I'll have it up here. Um, if you ever need to reach out to Justin, we're going to put some information there in the show notes um, to reach out to him. But yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you jumping on and, and taking the time to tell us the story. Yes, sir. I appreciate the chance to tell it. Right, it's a special one. <laughs> it definitely is. But you guys are listening to Hunt Link by Servicide, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.